0: Woe to you, O oh Earth
1: and sea It's the Hoth Nation You Podcast USA Podcast
2: It's episode 184 of the Hot Nation USA podcast, and we're back doing regular episodes, no no more holiday nonsense, no more phoning it in at the last minute. (laughs) We're actually doing a real episode this year. It's the first one of 2021. And of course, I'm joined by my co-host, Adam.
3: Yes, and I am happy to be back into canon. We don't have to worry about, does this episode count? Does it not count? What episode is this actually? No, we're back in. We're doing what we're supposed to be doing, and I'm happy to be here. Right. Good. Damn it.
2: Yes. And we're still on Zoom because the Rona be crazy. There's hella, there's hella Rona out there. So <laughs> that uh, being that we're on Zoom, that means we also have a guest. And this week's guest is Master Cicerone, Brian Reed. How's it going, guys? Welcome to the show, Brian.
4: Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to uh, drink some beer and uh, talk about... Potentially beer or other things. I don't know. Just we'll see as we go.
2: Drink some beer. You can't do that because this is our dry January episode. As I crack a beer and pour it. (laughs) Don't worry, it's audio only. Theater of the mind. You know, you have to actually watch the YouTube channel to prove that anybody's drinking on this episode.
4: Called it it up to my computer.
2: That ginger ale that you're having looks really good.
3: Wink, wink, nudge, nudge.
2: (laughs) But yes, this week we're doing dry January because that seems to be the hot button issue across beer social media. And uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about it. And we also thought it was funny to bring on a master Cicerone and not talk about beer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we'll be doing yeah. we'll be talking about the second favorite thing of beer twitter which is sandwiches
4: yeah beer twitter one may argue beer twitter has morphed almost entirely into just sandwich twitter
2: mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> which is fine with me because i mean i've you know i've been ride or die sandwich for a long long time so. sandwiches are a unifying force there's yeah, no, yeah. no two ways about it yeah yeah i mean i i was a founding member uh, a radical sandwich anarchy club known as sub club it's invite only so don't expect to get in there <laughs> but
3: doesn't matter if you're a rich man or a poor man a good sandwich is the equalizer amongst all right. men.
2: and if you don't recognize that a burrito is a sandwich then you can't join sub club <laughs> <laughs> those are the rules <laughs> with that in mind let's uh, get into the first sandwich that we're talking about this evening yeah uh, uh, it, whoever would like to go first what first sandwich would you like to introduce?
4: You know, I, I guess I can kick it off if you want me to, but I'm gonna sure. I'm gonna snipe a, a a blue chip prospect here in in the sandwich world and go Reuben. Mm. Hard hard to beat a Reuben in, in my mind.
2: That's probably number one sandwich in the world. Yeah. I mean,
3: it's definitely the number one sandwich on this podcast. Yeah, it is number one sandwich on this podcast.
4: <laughs> so it sounds like I'm a, I'm in good company. We, yeah, yeah. We're, oh, we're, without a doubt, for sure. We ride <laughs> or die when it comes to Rubens. I mean that that's the that's one I I gotta pick because if you're in the mood for a Reuben, nothing else will will suffice. Nothing else will satis- satisfy like a Reuben.
3: Yeah. So now, let me let me ask you this: when it comes to the Reuben. Did you have to work your way up to adding all the original ingredients when you were a kid? Like were you a kid that had to not have the sauerkraut or not have the Thousand Island dressing? Or did you go whole hog straight from the start?
4: I think I went whole hog from the start because I do remember as a really little kid, you know, I I grew up in a uh my my dad's side of the family is, is very, you know, like you know western pennsylvania mutt so like german you know eastern european jew uh hu- probably some like uh, you know uh hungarian or or something like that in there and um we always had sauerkraut for new years like we were at least several times a year there was a large family gathering that had you know an abundance of sauerkraut uh and my grandparents would cook it for like three days so it was like just Pudding, almost. You know, what I mean? so like, <laughs> like the first, my first couple experiences with it, like I wasn't that crazy about it. I do remember, but it was one of those things where, like, my pap, if you didn't eat sauerkraut on New Year's, like, it was not. It was like a slap in the face. You know? So, like, choke <laughs> it down. But then I do remember, you know, pretty quickly on, you know, having it elsewhere and feeling like, okay, sauerkraut can be not pudding.
2: <laughs> right on. Do you have a specific? place that you get your rubens from
4: i i feel like ruben's one of those things that's like kind of hard to mess up like you 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 can get a good ruben a lot of places and, and i think like that's part of the reason i love it is go to a place that you're not that sure about you can get a ruben you're probably going to be at least satisfied one i i love that i haven't had in a long time is uh, uh smallman street deli mm. um it's just it's just been a while but I used to spend a lot of time up at uh, uh, Wilson McKinley, uh, you know, distrib- distributing there in uh, in Lawrenceville and just kind of right up the road. In uh, in the strip, we would go up for lunch a lot of times with with some of those guys. But obviously, I haven't went hardly anywhere for like nine months. But uh, <laughs> it's been a minute. But hard to beat that one. Hard to beat that one for me.
2: Well, I think I have a challenger then. Yeah, because the sandwich I'm talking about is also. A Reuben.
3: <laughs>
2: hey, that's and, a good looking
4: unit you got there. Yeah,
2: <laughs> and this one comes specifically from Patrick's Pub. Oh right yeah, right there in Moon Township. I've that one. Yeah, it, it is. It's a little bit different than uh, some of the Rubens you get across the the county and everything. But it's a three tiered Reuben, so it's built almost like a club sandwich, and it has the little bit of bread in between. And I will say though, it is one of the greasiest sandwiches <laughs> just because the toasted rye is so, so greasy, <laughs> but man, is it worth it? And just, you know, you're talking about like sloppy gummy sauerkraut and yeah, it just dumps right out of the sandwich if you're not careful. See, that's the good looking seeded rye there too. Mm-hmm
4: you can't you can't get the the faux you know sometimes you see the marbled rye and a good marbled rye is really good but sometimes you see a marbled rye and it's an indication that they're trying to make it look like a good reuben but it's actually not right like you know, like a you know, like a a gas station you know sandwich that has like the seeded rye and everything the you know, marble rye kind of looks like that or like i think about like a an airport Reuben, <laughs> like you're <stuck. laughs> you're like, I'm starving. What is the, the quickest thing? And you grab something and it's like, this is disappointing, but that that looks legit. Looks yeah, legit. it is. is legit. That I've been to that many times.
3: I, I would say that that is a sandwich of extremes where you either absolutely love yourself that day or absolutely loathe yourself that day when you want that sandwich.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're feeling self-destructive potentially. Mm-hmm.
3: Like,
2: uh, uh, yeah I, I will say the last couple of times i got the reuben though from pats it, i actually wasn't feeling either of those i was feeling supportive because i wanted oh. to get yeah, because i don't we used to go to pats like every month for a beer tasting club mm-hmm. and you know we would get e- you know i usually would either get a reuben or they do a pretty good cheesesteak there but like we haven't been there that often and i know things aren't as they are you know they're they're definitely not open up the way they used to be So I so I like to go and support, and I was being supportive that day, and went and bought a Reuben from my favorite sandwich place, (laughs) because they also do a really good salmon salmon BLT as well.
3: I had no idea about that.
2: Yeah, check it out next time you're there. Good salmon BLT. Salmon BLT.
4: It sounds borderline sacrilegious. (laughs) And I love salmon, but I don't know if I've ever had the combination.
2: Yeah, it's it's worth it. It's worth it. So, Adam, what was your sandwich that you've chosen?
3: So, it is not a Reuben. However, I do have to give a shout out to McNerney's in Oil City, Pennsylvania. Uh, you you got to have that hometown pride for their Reuben. If I'm going to get a Reuben, I'm going to get one from there as well.
2: It sounds more it, Irish. It, <laughs> Patrick's Pug, McNerney's. Yeah, it's more. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I got Irish blood in me. It's, it's okay. Well, no, I'm just saying, I'm just saying from the standpoint of the sandwich, it was invented, uh, you know, in a Jewish deli, mm-hmm. you know, or it was actually invented at a hotel for a Jewish uh, delicate delicatessen owner. But
3: in what like, state, Steve?
2: Nebraska. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. But for having all these roots of like Eastern European... It seems like a lot of Irish people love Rubens. Guilty as charged. Love I love making I, them. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, there, there's been this, This. how did we get to a point where if you go into like, like kind of a, a, a not so authentic Irish pub, they always have some sort of like wonton wrapper with what is essentially Reuben ingredients in it fried. Yeah. And it's like corned beef and cabbage or like a Ruben. Ruben egg,
2: egg roll is what I've seen. Yeah, fried.
4: Yeah, Frankenstein appetizer. Yeah, like a Reuben egg roll. How'd that become a, a faux Irish pub thing?
2: I don't know. That is a mystery to me. <laughs> <laughs>
4: I'm not going to say. I all, oh yeah, um, no. right. right. Sticking you know four of those in my face, but. <laughs> but to me, that's just sort of a tease because you
3: you get you know the flavors, but it's still not the sandwich. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, 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 it's missing
2: the bread for sure. Mm-hmm. What is your sandwich though, Adam?
3: So my sandwich actually comes from uh, industry public house, uh, a fine watering hole. I've spent way too much money there, uh, but their model T Turkey sandwich. I actually really like this sandwich. It's obviously a Turkey sandwich with uh, with smoked Turkey. You got your lettuce, your tomato, your onion, things like that. Uh, they, do, they do put some, uh, some bacon on there. They call it their wild boar bacon mm-hmm. uh, with some gar- garlic aioli on a nice sourdough bread. Uh, Steve I'll send you pictures you can put that up on
2: the uh, on the tube cast later on yeah sure and it'll be up on the socials and everybody can enjoy it on the Instagram yes. all that
3: <laughs> but uh, I, I like that that sandwich I find that because uh, there are times where I kind of want a slightly drier sandwich mm-hmm. and this this one hits it just right the turkey is is dry without being obnoxious if that makes sense
2: Uh, I guess I me, mean, I, I I feel like the turkey should be the moistest part of that sandwich. It's not, but I kind of like it that way.
3: Okay.
4: Yeah, you you lost me wholeheartedly. At I like a I like a nice dry sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, uh, uh, <laughs> just the
3: just the turkey itself is dry. It when you when you add in the bacon and the aioli and stuff like that, it kind of evens it all out. you.
4: Gotcha. Mm. It's not a drippy sandwich. It's correct. Kind of like yeah. running down your, into your elbow sandwich. Right. It's not
3: an interactive sandwich the way some others would be.
2: Gotcha. Yeah. I, I I get it. It's just like the I don't want the turkey to be the driest part. I'm that's okay fair. with like a drier bread that's toasted or, you know, like less sauce or like even if that wild boar bacon was, you know, like crisp and not drippy. Right. I'm okay with all that. But it's like turkey is such a like – I don't know, a delicate meat that needs to be prepared better.
3: Oh, I th- I I think it worked that
2: well. <laughs> I need another one. Okay. That's fine. Damn hey man. It. You when don't you don't judge me. I'm trying not to, but I also just kind of feel like, you know, the way you just came out for dry sandwiches is like the is how everybody feels when I come out and say anti pilsner stuff. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, a lot of people got mad and they're like <laughs> you know, Yeah,
4: if you're going to stand dry sandwiches, I don't know. I don't know how long (laughs) you're (laughs) going to
2: get. All right. Well, we'll come back and maybe talk a little bit about those sandwiches at the end of the segment. But for now, we're going to get into our guest and find out a little bit more about him. And as we mentioned, he is a master Cicerone, which is a significant honor because there's Last time I checked there's only eighteen, but is, is has that changed since? Are there more master cicerones at this point uh there's nineteen currently okay yeah, nineteen currently
4: one more uh added last year um the exam the this the exam's offered once a year um, mm-hmm. usually about twenty five ish people sit um and and you know on average usually. Usually about one person, you know, passes a year sometimes, sometimes two, sometimes zero, uh, one year, uh, there were three, that was actually the year I passed. Um, and, uh, obviously no one added this year, which was a bummer cause we thought we'd get to, to 20 cause there's actually a handful of really, really promising candidates that I would expect next, next time they actually hold the exam. There should be at least, uh, at least one or two more.
2: Awesome. How long did it take you to achieve the Master Cicerone?
4: Uh, well, it's, it's kind of tough to answer that because um, as far as like from the time I, I started like really diligently preparing for it to the time I passed it was probably about, you know, uh, probably about, th- about three years or so. Um, but from the time I took the the cert, so I was a BJCP judge before I was, went down the cicerone path, and I, you know, was was brew, home brewing a long time before that, and then brewing professionally, and then uh, got in the commercial side of the business, um, and then I, you know, um, you know, so I became a beer educator uh at miller Coors, we 10th cra- and blake crafted an import segment for miller Coors, um and uh and started you know going down the cicerone path uh so from the first time i took it was probably about five years from the first time i took the certified beer server to to passing the master exam but it took me three tries to pass the master exam so <laughs> uh, that, that was a big part of it but.
2: yeah but still like that's a that's a huge backlog of education you know, that you did you did on your own because it was going through home brewing and then obviously working in the business. Yeah,
4: yeah it was just all of uh, just trying to wheeze my way into the industry. You know, my 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 formal education was uh you know in in business, um, advertising, PR, and communications in undergrad, and then I went and got my MBA, my master's in journalism. So I have no formal, you know, I don't have a brewing degree mm-hmm. or anything like that. Not that you necessarily need one, but. Um, you know, I just kind of s- trying to get work experience and packaging and, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, eventually into sales and then started getting into new product development and things, um, at Miller Coors and, and beer education. So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was just a long, long con way to, to grift someone into letting me do beer things for- yeah. <laughs> work out eventually. <laughs> So when
3: you when you started down the path, was there a lot of of self-study going on that you kind of just had to sit down at the table and run through everything that you possibly could? Or was, did you have a mentor? Was there sort of a, a group of people that got together and tried to do this together? Or, or what was the process for that?
4: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, all of the above, I would say. You know, as far as, um, you know, when I first started, like really kind of seriously studying Beer and trying to, you know, kind of build my, my knowledge around brewing was when I was really, really into homebrewing. Um, and I was part of Trash, uh, which is, you know, the local homebrew club. Um, and uh, you met a bunch of really great people there, many of which are our professional brewers and and brewery owners around the city now. Um, you know, it was like, uh, it was myself. Um, it was uh, well, Malcolm Frazier who, who worked at a... a uh Fatheads is now at Hop Farm. Uh, Andy Kwiatkowski from Hitchhiker. Um, uh, let me think who else. Um, uh, you know, Jack Smith, who was the president of Trash for a while. Um, uh, there was just Jim Chaney's a professional brewer now. It was like, uh, you know, Keith Cost who's a master BJCP judge and, a, and a, um, a, a professional brewer now. So it was a lot of folks who were all kind of in the same boat. Like we all had other jobs and day jobs and that sort of thing and like just brewed like mad like we used to to brew every week i used to brew at least at least five gallons of beer a week and um we had this little kind of split, split off group from trash called um we just call it the brewer's gathering and uh and andy weichel who who uh uh who brewed at uh at helicon Um, and we would all get together and just tear each other's beers apart, like really, you know, kind of with a scalpel, just pick every little thing apart and get better at tasting, um, get better at brewing. And, uh, yeah, so we did that for a while and then some of us started, you know, taking brewing jobs. Um, and then when I moved over to, to Miller Coors, I was really fortunate to be on a team with some people who have been in beer education for a while, um, and when I started studying for the, for the master exam, I had a couple, well, I had, you know, several people, but among them, um, a guy named Jason Pratt, who's also a Master Cicerone, um, and Dan Imdeck, who's also a Master Cicerone now. And um, the three of us really, really pushed each other a lot. Um, I lived in Milwaukee at the time, Jason lived in Chicago, and, uh, and Dan uh, lived out in, in Colorado. He's now in California, but, um, yeah, we just read each other practice essays and send each other beers and, you know, just kind of put each other through the ringer. and they were both extremely good tasters. So, um, it was one of those things where it's just like impossible not to get better when you're spending time with people (laughs) that talented and you know, I was training. It was fortunate because I was training people, you know, on tasting and um, and and style identification and and brewing and all these things like on a daily basis. So it was really helped being able to like live in that world on a day to day basis and and you know, teach four or five beer classes a week. Um, you know, it was easy to stay motivated. You know, but there was definitely a lot of sitting in a little room in my house in Milwaukee, it was like this little office that was like up off the staircase and upstairs. And I just had all my books and um, they're not here right now, but like, it just an obscene amount of note cards, (laughs) stacks stacks and stacks of note cards. And uh, yeah, it was, it, it was interesting because the first time I took it, I, uh, I came really close and I didn't know what to expect at all. Um, and then the second time it was that like, just have to do a little bit better kind of thing. Um, and, uh, I moved, had a, had a a second kid, uh, and uh, there was a demo- documentary film crew following me around <laughs> um, the second time I took the exam, and it was just, boy, it was, uh, I was just kind of a head case going into it, and I actually did worse than I did the first time, um, but then the third time kind of came back with a better approach, a little more focused kind of vision of of, of how to get better, and uh, eventually, eventually knocked it out, so.
3: That's awesome. Holy cow. Yeah. Almost sounds like you're going for, and I hate to use this phrase, the bar exam. Basically, you're you you have to immerse your life into it; otherwise, you have no chance.
4: Yeah, it really was. It was uh, it was definitely a, a, at least as many hours as as a second full time job. <laughs> it was, you know, <laughs> uh, especially once it gets down to crunch time of the last you know few months before the exam, you're 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 spending you know, 68, 80 hours a week studying on top of, you know, whatever else. So luckily uh, I said, you know, lived in Milwaukee and uh, you know, we didn't have as much, you know, friends and family there as, as, as normal. And we had two young kids. so We weren't really, my wife and I weren't really going out and she was extremely patient um, and supportive (laughs) and poured me a ton of, you know, blind beer flights and all that sort of thing. And uh, yeah, it was, I wouldn't want to do it again. That's for sure. It was <laughs> pretty, pretty goddamn miserable experience. <laughs> Stressful,
2: but uh, I mean, it sounds like if it weren't for like the, the challenges uh, getting through it, like 2020 would have been a really good year for people to study. Just if you, yeah. you know, if you had to immerse yourselves, well then, you know, you're not going anywhere. Just get somebody to send you beer. Like that's, that seems like the biggest problem with that.
4: Yeah, there's a lot of people. I mean, I, I do a lot of uh, education consulting on the side. I, I, I work in uh, the commercial side of the business again, uh, but I do a lot of uh, consulting on the side for, you know, just doing like talks and seminars and that sort of thing. But I, I also, Malcolm, who I'd mentioned before, Malcolm, I do a, a beer education for the, for the Pittsburgh Brewers Guild, teach classes and, you know, we're doing some videos and things like that people can utilize during, you know, lockdown and all that. But um, there's a, another group of, of of folks that I'm actually, who are preparing for the advanced level, which is the, the third level of four, um, who are doing that exact thing. Like they are meeting three times a week. Um, you know, they're shipping each other beers, they're writing, you know, I write the practice essays, and then go over them with them and grade them and that sort of thing. So yeah, I think a lot of people are using this opportunity to, to hunker down and yeah, get some 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 studying then
2: yeah that's awesome yeah it, do the best with what you can i mean what is what is that uh saying for every crisis there's an opportunity or something like that yeah sure it, yeah <laughs> yeah some, some proverb i obviously don't know well enough
4: <laughs> that old chestnut yeah <laughs> i do a lot of uh yeah. I feel like I've been not, you know, besides from a couple things here and there like that, I feel like I've done the exact opposite for the last nine months. I've just like watched movies and drank beer and gained 20 pounds.
2: Well, <laughs> Hey, that's you know, that's the rest of us. We, you know, we, we don't have anything left to learn. We know everything, so we don't have to. <laughs> it's okay if we sit around and watch movies. <laughs> I already reached the mountaintop. Yeah, I tried to teach myself Blender for two weeks and then just gave up on it. <laughs> but uh, all right, so a lot of your education and a lot of the education that goes into the Cicerone program is just identifying taste, but also knowing how to pair and food so obviously that's kind of why b or twitter has such a hard on for sandwiches and food in general because you know it goes into the education it's a part of you know who you are uh if you had to guess what level of sando malier or witcherone would you be if you had to be a you know purely sandwich dealer rather mm. than
3: sandwich dealer
2: <laughs> yeah well rather than a beer educator or beer brewer
3: they
4: already got the little baggies so they're halfway there yes <laughs> hard man it's hard to say i you know a lot to learn a lot to learn uh i did not know what state the ruben was uh originated in like you did so uh, i would not have guessed nebraska i would have guessed like new jersey or something so mm-hmm. i've got a little bit of i've got a little bit of uh a way to go i suppose but
2: just history yeah. learning. Yeah. So you're thinking maybe like a level three witcher round?
4: <laughs> yeah. There you go. Witcher round sounds cooler than it actually is because it kind of sounds like you're doing some like black magic shit. Which <laughs> right. Yeah. Way more, way more rad than than
2: just making sandwiches. But yeah, that still sounds like brewing. <laughs> <laughs> Steve,
3: I think I I think we do need to look into the Witcher own program a little more deeply.
2: Or no, Sando Mollier, I, I don't know which one it is.
4: <laughs> Sando Mollier is way better, actually. I,
2: <laughs> Dude, that's, I, think that's... There,
4: I think there's something there.
2: Yeah. See, Sando Mollier is the one where, you know, somebody opens a wine bar and then I come around with a servings, you know, small servings of sandwiches <laughs> and go, I think this would pair very well with your white or red.
3: <laughs> I would go there. I would go to that wine bar, full stop.
2: Yeah. Is there, do you have any uh, like future upcoming uh, educational programs that people could get in on or just like uh, something people could watch as just kind of an intro? Um,
4: I'm trying to think. I'm doing some stuff coming up with your part of the um, uh, Pittsburgh chapter of the United States uh, Bartenders Guild i'm doing something on the 26th with them so if any anybody uh you know working in the industry in the in the pittsburgh area is part of that we're doing a little seminar with myself and a and a sommelier to kind of talk about some of the similarities and differences of uh of you know beer production wine production and trends and we're going to talk about beer and food pairing and that sort of thing so i think that's part part of uh um of, of that organization um trying to think what else we're gonna be doing some videos for the for the uh, Pittsburgh Brewers Guild um but I think like I said for for guild members anybody who works at, at local breweries but we're still uh looking to schedule those doing do anything for Tulane University in in uh in Illinois on the 28th so anybody got at <laughs> university I know you guys have a real deep, deep listenership amongst the Tulane uh student body um but yeah that's that's all I've gotten got right now um but uh, yeah, like I said, I, I usually do some stuff for Carnegie Mellon last month. And um, it's, you know, there's always stuff popping up, but mm-hmm. uh, usually post something about it on social media or anything. I usually teach a lot of in-person classes for the Brewers Guild and for Cicerone. And obviously those have been put on hold for the time being, but yeah.
2: Yeah. I think, fi- I figure it's kind of hard to like really get those like off flavor bottles out there, you know, for off flavor training. <laughs> And then you have, to, you have to have somebody receive the mail and then hide those bottles from you.
4: <laughs> well, that's exactly what we do. So like, well, we'll have, like I'll make a list and send it to the group. And then I have the email addresses of roommates and significant others of those people who, pour, who are prepared to pour for them. And then I have to send them instructions with that. And, and uh, you know, I tell them, hey, you know, it's coming in the mail, don't open it kind of thing. And
2: the whole process worked out. It's a, such a hard r- thing to do. Not open your beer mail.
4: <laughs> I know, you take the box and put the whole box in the fridge, and yeah, don't open it up. So, <laughs> you imagine being
3: a, a roommate or a significant other that doesn't know what's going on. All of a sudden, there's a FedEx box
4: just sitting in your refrigerator.
2: <laughs> yeah. This isn't food.
4: <laughs> this is live bait. Don't touch it. <laughs> it's mice to feed to my uh, tarantula. <laughs>
3: Or as I always tell the folks at UPS,
4: kitchen supplies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I used to always tell them when I would ship beer and, and finally someone called me on it. I don't know why. This was like something from like way back in like, you know, homebrew days, you know, like a, a decade or 15 years ago, people used to always say, just tell them their yeast samples. And so I telling <laughs> people their yeast samples and uh, and eventually they were like, we can't ship yeast. <laughs> like after like 10 years <laughs> of like that, finally somebody was like, knew what yeast was. Cause the whole thing was, you just say that and they just go, eh, I don't know what that is, whatever. Um, you know what I mean? I don't really know what that entails. But uh, yeah, eventually somebody was like, is it in liquid? And I'm like, well, yeah. And they're like, well, we're not shipping that. And I'm like, I guess I'm to come <laughs> up with why if you're gonna lie, why not just say like, it sucks. You know what right, I mean? Yeah. <laughs> now I just say, I say it's, it's commemorative glassware.
2: Ah, I like that. Hmm. I, I I had a FedEx box. I guess it wasn't packed to the standard that the people at the office liked. So she took it at uh, you know took it apart and then found bottles in there. And she asked me what it was, and I was like, eh, "It's soda." <laughs> <laughs> that
4: too. I had uh, I I've learned over the years like uh, a lot of packaging techniques and stuff to mm-hmm. to you know, hopefully it won't won't break. But I've definitely had some. <laughs> Some cans rupture and things like that that were just unavoidable, but it happens until you've had you learned that lesson the hard way. The first time you have like a fruited sour or something, you know, shatter in your luggage on the airplane. (laughs) And now all your clothes and shoes and everything that were in there are like purple or whatever. Oof.
2: (laughs) That's separate bags, always separate bags.
4: (laughs) Well, now I, 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 yeah, I tie everything up and, you know, trash bag whatever i need to do
2: but <laughs> you gotta quarantine your your out-of-state takes <laughs> <laughs> all right well let's come back to the sandwiches we were eating this segment uh, obviously brian and i were both on the reuben train because it is the best sandwich i believe it's been voted on a couple times and i'll, I'll say the patrick's is the best in the western pa area
4: I now, now I got. It. I I feel like I've had it before because I've spent enough time at at Patrick's that there's mm-hmm. no way I have had that sandwich before. But uh, yeah, Smallman Street, man, it's great. I mean, just you know, classic kind of deli feel too. That's like part of I think the the allure for me.
2: Yeah, that makes yeah that makes sense. The other one that gets talked about a lot is Riley's Poorhouse. i I've I've down
3: in uh, Carnegie, if I remember correctly.
2: Yeah, I haven't had it yeah those those are the only three I've ever heard like really talked about, but yeah, so check those out if you're in the western p a area. Get all three. have a flight of Reuben <laughs> for dry January and, and then, if you
3: wanna upset some people with a dry ass turkey sandwich,
2: yeah, and if you're a total noob, uh go get this dry <laughs> <laughs> go get a dry turkey sandwich from industry public house. <laughs>
3: They won't even look at you when they serve it to you.
2: <laughs> you can just
3: feel the shame. You wanted this, all right?
4: Here you go. Yeah.
3: No, I, I shouldn't. No. I shouldn't make fun. They got beers there that I like. So yeah, yeah
4: that's I've well, i actually spent a a very uh, drunken evening there, dressed head to toe in uh, as Taylor Swift. Oh, with a wig and lipstick and the whole nine yards. That is a perfect lead-in for segment two. That that hooks the listener.
2: <laughs> we'll come back and find out more about that,
4: <laughs> and no more explanation required.
2: Moving on. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yes, we'll be back shortly with segment two. Hopefully, Adam can redeem himself from dry ass turkey sandwich and have a better sandwich <laughs> in the next segment. And we're going to talk a little bit more about sandwiches as well as Brian's other favorite thing, horror movies. So stay tuned. Uh, We'll be right back. First Sip Brew Box is a -a one-of-a-kind subscription service for
3: craft beer lovers based right here in Pittsburgh. Every month, First Sip will send you a box full of craft beer enthusiast essentials, including T-shirts, glassware, and even food. Right now, our friends at First Sip Brew Box have an offer for you. Just sign up for a three-month subscription and get your fourth month free. Just enter the code HOPUSA when you sign up at firstsipbrewbox.com. That's H-O-P-U-S-A at checkout to get your fourth
2: month free at firstsipbrewbox.com. Welcome back to episode 184 of the HOP Nation USA podcast. And we're still here in dry January, not drinking beers at all. Certainly not at all. (laughs) (laughs) With our guest, Brian Reed. (laughs) <laughs> boy, oh boy, that's <laughs> worth going on the YouTube for. There, is a,
4: there may or may not have been a tremendous amount of foam on it.
2: That. <laughs> that's a that's a real, real like drinking. <laughs> if say somebody was drinking an old German style Dunkel <laughs> that had a lot of foam on it, he may or may not have just given himself a mustache extra. <laughs> Why? why
4: why else why else would you have a mustache
2: (laughs) yes yes but uh, yes we are joined by master cicerone brian reed and we're talking sandwiches because we can't talk beer during dry january (laughs) you know it's not the right thing to do it's bad i don't want to offend anybody i know. know or tempt anybody who may be making that decision Exactly, and a lot of people are making that as a healthful decision, so we're here to promote healthy styles of sandwiches, which is why I am bringing up this sandwich right now, because it is a healthy choice for dry January, the Philly cheesesteak. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah, that looks, that
4: looks pretty tremendous, actually. Although I think I see peppers on there, which is not, strictly speaking,
2: it isn't so ingredient. yes so to be fair it is not from philly it is a homemade philly cheesesteak so but it is peppers onions steak and wit whiz on a big old roll that's what i created for myself just because you know like homebrewing there's also cooking at home you know? A lot of people do that as well.
4: So you've heard of you've heard of
2: home brewing before, obviously, but yeah. did you know you can prepare food at home? Did you know <laughs> you can also like caramelize onions at home? I'm learning so much
4: on this podcast. I know it's funny when I, when I saw that immediately. I have uh, some some you know friends and coworkers that that live in Philadelphia and uh, um, have invited me to this Facebook group. It's called Philadelphia Cheesesteak Department. That's that's there's like a thousand members. It's not like a small group of people. Right. And the whole pretty much the whole purpose of the group is people post pictures of cheesesteaks preferably ones that aren't from philadelphia and then everyone just mercilessly destroys them like, that's, the whole, that's the whole group like it's it really is. there's some really funny really funny people in there that are just like yeah go lay in traffic you piece of garbage because you have like on your cheese <laughs>
2: Well, if you uh, you know if you want to, feel free to take these photos with you and you know submit them to your. Oh
4: I should actually <laughs> and then report back on what the, their response was up there. <laughs> they, will just, they will shred your life for having that big a pieces of steak and for yeah. having peppers and for having those big rings of onions, and they'll talk about too much bread and it could be perfect, and they'll find something to to <laughs> that's it. That's, yeah. that.
2: So, so I will admit, I definitely do have too much bread on this because I was looking for like sub rolls, and I couldn't find any sub rolls when I was at Walmart. So the only other choice I had was like this big French loaf. Mm-hmm. So I just cut.
4: That's, I, that's a big thing too. Is like they <laughs> somebody will post that and they'll go French bread. Fuck you. Like, <laughs> So, yeah. Yeah. Hey. Listen, I would happily <laughs> eat that. It looks fantastic. And I'm a whiz guy for sure. So, you can't you that, that's it's just it's essential. I listen, I love provolone, but it's not a cheesesteak. Yeah. I fully steak.
2: fully agree. Fully agree. Just doesn't work.
4: Uh, and you know what? It's the second best sandwich in Philly, too. The the cheesesteak in my opinion. All right. What would be the first? It's got it's the the roast pork. Oh, okay. And, Oh, the roast pork is uh, specifically, I mean, there's a lot of places that do it really great. I'm not from Philly, obviously, but DeNix Roast Pork. As soon as I saw that, I thought, oh, why didn't I put DeNix Roast Pork on here? <laughs> <laughs> so good.
3: Steve, I must say that that is one of the nicest photos of a homemade cheesesteak I have ever seen. Well, well presented. It's, a, yeah.
2: you know, I, I'm working, you know, I gave up on blenders, so no- now I'm working on my photography skills.
4: <laughs> can I say something? Yeah. Wish it was drier. <laughs> <laughs> I just wish it was bone dry. Like I, yeah. that's my only complaint.
2: Yeah, that whiz is way too much. <laughs> too wet. It's too, too wet. wet. You blow see- on it,
3: and has some nice cheese dust fly
4: off of it. Yeah, I want it to.
2: I want to choke on its dryness. <laughs> You can see the shine on the onions, and that's way too, way too. Moist. No,
4: I can tell there's moisture in those onions.
2: Mm-hmm. It's,
0: yeah, yeah. It's yeah They were
2: they were fried in butter, and yep, that's too much. <laughs> so, what is the second sandwich you wanted to bring to the show, though, Brian?
4: Yeah, I I will go for, and I have a specific one to talk about, but um, the the Italian the Italian hoagie. I, love, right. I love me an Italian hoagie. Um, and it doesn't have to even be a good one. I just love, like, I get, I, like, I will happily eat like a two day old Italian hoagie that someone bought for someone's fundraiser somewhere. Like, I just love, I just love, you know, like salami, capicola, probably maybe some, some soppressata, if you're getting fancy, some prosciutto and then just provolone or mozzarella, you know little oil, maybe a few herbs, maybe some roasted red peppers or something. But I just, I love a, I love an Italian hoagie. The uh, hot or cold, honestly, I don't even care. I just love me an Italian hoagie. I just made one. I was craving one the other day and uh, I knew I had some like meat leftover from, from new year's Eve. And we made like a little charcuterie board. So I just stopped and got like some good bread and just like put a bunch of, you know, hot jardiner on it. And, Man, I just I could eat an Italian, an Italian
2: hoagie every day. Uh, agree. The okay. only thing I'm going to correct you on is it's pronounced Hagee.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Hagee. Well, that's what I was thinking about. Hagee. <laughs> and it's not. It, I, so I was, I was going to make a comment about how it's an Italian hoagie, and, like, but it, and it's not an Italian sub. But okay. I don't always say hoagie. Like hoagie is an Italian hoagie. Right. But if I was going to say meatball, I'd say meatball sub. Meatball sub, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, was trying, I was trying to think like, is there a hard, fast rule about when to say hoagie and when to say sub? But it really depends on the topics.
2: Yeah. I, for me, it's always Italian hoagie, but then like meatball sub is always meatball sub, but then like everything else that would come like that, kind of it's kind of up in the air. Yeah. But cheesesteak is also similar, you know, similarly prepared. Mm-hmm. But I would never say sub or hoagie for that. No, because no, cheese cheesesteak steak. is a cheesesteak, yeah. Right. Yeah, steak yeah. sandwich.
4: But it's yeah. not yeah, It's not a – I don't know why. But I, I, for some reason, hoagie – when I say I think Italian hoagie, I think yeah. of selling them for, like, fundraiser for, like, baseball. Or, yeah, or, I got them <laughs>
2: Joe Corby Italian hoagies. <laughs> yeah, like we're going
4: to go down stand outside Mary's Giant Eagle sell hoagies. that's that's like what i think of a hoagie but i uh i I, i'm gonna pick a a a superior hoagie than to the to the uh the ones you would sell for you know for for a fundraiser or something like that and go uh carson street deli like that the the balboa if you've not had it it is I, I mean borderline life-altering italian <laughs> it <know you> has <laughs> like all the things you want it's got like the sopressata. it's got the salami prosciutto it's got the gabagool you know it's got, <laughs> gabagol. it's got salami it's got provolone uh and then it's got the roasted red peppers really chewy bread like it's just it's pretty tremendous and also they have great beer and yeah if you've not had uh a sandwich from Carson street deli, you're, uh, you're missing
2: out. Yeah. They uh, also just, you know, you can look at any of their photos. They got a, They got a good bread to meat ratio too. So they do,
4: they nail it. It's a very well constructed sandwich. I used to live right when they opened, I lived on, uh, on, so they, they're on, I'm trying to think of what street they're on there. Um, uh, just a, maybe, is that like, like 18th, 17th, 18th street, something up there. Um, but I lived on 19th, uh, South 19th street um right off of you know east carson and uh that was a uh that was a pretty regular spot they they opened in kind of the, the latter part of me living there but uh yeah that was a pretty common uh, that was a
2: pretty common lunch to go for sure yeah <laughs> adam what's your sandwich
3: so i i'm glad that we are consistent all the way through on this segment that there is not two slices of bread to be found on yeah. any of these because <laughs> I, I myself went with a hoagie as well.
2: Oh, yes. uh,
3: and, and I, and I have to highlight the pizzeria hoagies, oh, the yeah. ones that show up in three layers of foil and presentation be damned
2: in a bag in a well. bag. Yes. Yeah. In a sleeve. It's your holster. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and the one that I went with is the ranchero steak hoagie from pizza Milano. Okay. That's a, obviously it's got your steak. French fries, cheddar, provolone, a nice uh, nice ranch sauce on there. Not dry. Not dry no, whatsoever. No. <laughs>
2: the wet boy. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you don't
3: even need to crack open a beer when you eat it.
2: So, Adam, you're bringing up something I think is it's somewhat uniquely Pittsburgh in that your sub came with fries on it.
3: Right. And, and what was funny <laughs> is I didn't even think about it until just now. Yeah. <laughs> exactly.
4: Yeah. It's funny. That's a, uh, cause I think of fries on the salad as being, you know, super Pittsburgh thing, right? Obviously. Oh yeah. I used to, I, before, when I was in grad school, I, I bartended, I waited tables and bartended at, uh, um, the Wexford ale house, you know, poor Richard's Wexford ale house on 19. I don't know if mm-hmm. you are been there anyway. We used to had steak salads, you know, classic kind of Pittsburgh steak salad with the, uh, with, with the fries on it. And people used to order it without lettuce. so it would be a a styrofoam box with steak french fries cheese ranch a couple onions maybe a quarter of a tomato (laughs) 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 but when i think about a fries on a sandwich i think cleveland like that's like a that's like a pretty standard cleveland thing right with the uh the polish boy have you had a polish boy oh i don't know that i have no That's like a, a a sandwich they have there with uh, I want to say and oh boy, i have to double check I think it has like kielbasa and 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 f- and uh, uh, and fries and like
2: hot sauce or something on it but yeah that's okay. like it's a really good sandwich too though it's, hmm. no I don't think I don't think I really had that but I don't hang out in Cleveland that much. It's right. Not my, yeah. It's not my. It's not my hang. <laughs>
4: you don't just go over to Cleveland real quick to grab a sandwich.
2: <laughs> uh, let's see. The one I'm looking at here seems to have a salad on it as well.
4: This one says, a right, Polish boy Polish boy sausage sandwich needed to Cleveland consists of a link of kielbasa placed in a bun covered with a layer of french fries and a layer of barbecue or hot sauce and a layer of coleslaw. Yeah, it definitely has coleslaw on oh, it. Too.
3: I could get yeah. on board with that. That does yeah, sound good. Pretty
4: delicious. I mean, the more time I spend in Cleveland, you know, I used to go there for work a lot. It's, it's a, I mean, the Pittsburgh, it's like flat Pittsburgh a little bit. Like they're yeah, pretty... Mm-hmm. And people were real pissed when you say that. And obviously we <laughs> got our asses stomped by the Browns last weekend. So nobody <laughs> nobody's happy about that. But like if you like Pittsburgh, you're probably gonna like Cleveland. Like they're pretty close.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not terrible. The only thing I did notice is it does smell a little bit because of the lake, but
4: yeah, that's that <laughs> I used to I went to Youngstown State for undergrad. and a lot of friends that were like Browns fans, you know, and so it was always Steelers Browns. We used to joke and call draft days Brown Super Bowl. Because they <laughs> get up early and start drinking at 9 in the morning on draft day because that's the closest <laughs> thing to, like, excitement they had on you. But uh, they would uh, – yeah, We used to, they would be like, you yeah, know, why do you always talk about how Pittsburgh is so much better than Cleveland and all that stuff? And I used to – we used to say, because Cleveland stinks. It actually
2: <laughs> It's
4: the smell. <laughs>
2: it, it, and, you know, I half wonder because also Philly smells bad too, but – I have, to, I have to half wonder if like maybe we're just used to Pittsburgh stink.
4: Yeah. It's maybe like you there's a- have like a stinky roommate and you leave yeah. the room and come, come back. Then you remember it stinks because you've yeah. gotten used to the smell being in there. But like we're just a different type of stinky roommate probably.
2: Yeah, it's just like everybody – it's probably all of these cities smell because they're all on polluted water. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just don't notice. We only notice when we go to the other smelly cities. <laughs> right, It's just a different stink. Yeah. <laughs>
4: At least we don't have New Orleans smell. No, well, that's, that's a whole different type oof, of
2: – That's an objective stink because that's Ur- waste. Urban
4: Street is a different <laughs> yeah. type of stink, yeah.
2: yeah. That's just straight – human
4: urine
2: yeah (laughs) that's objectively p so
4: (laughs) not a sentence i thought i'd hear on this podcast and here we are that's straight that can can that be did you guys title the 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 episodes can it this one be called straight human urine
2: (laughs) yeah sure you asked for it you got it Uh, appreciate that
3: (laughs) if Uh, if when we do that and our numbers skyrocket next week, Steve, I think we have to look a little bit further on renaming some episodes.
4: <laughs> just more pee flavor. <laughs> yeah. It turns out you just, you're just you just poaching a bunch of listeners from people who are looking for strictly pee-related podcasts. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, well, we'll see what happens to the numbers. <laughs>
3: <laughs> listeners is, are listeners. This we is either going to be our
2: this is either going to be our highest rated episode because it's all about sandwiches. And then we get a little bit from that fetish bump as well, yeah. or it's going to be our lowest rated episode because <laughs> there's no beer talk.
4: <laughs> Fast forward to episode 200 of the Golden Showers Podcast.
2: <laughs> all right. Well, let's uh, move on a little bit, just a little bit. We're still doing some sandwich talk though. Uh, I mentioned in the first segment that I am a member of a radical sandwich anarchist group called SubClub. Now, Brian, do you yourself participate in radical sandwich anarchy?
4: <laughs> I am not familiar with this phenomenon, but I would be interested to learn more. So a little I bit more... pamphlet if you have it. <laughs> yes, yeah, so
2: just a little bit more is that sandwiches are... There, there's obviously been a large debate as what defines a sandwich. Mm-hmm. If you're a radical sandwich... Anarchist, it's simply defined as any filling within two pieces, not even necessarily bread, but just two holders. It doesn't even have to be two, but it's handheld. So a Pop Tart is technically a sandwich. A taco is a sandwich. A burrito is a sandwich. A
4: corn dog is a sandwich.
2: Yes, corn dog is a sandwich. If you hold it by the dog part, and you don't have the stick,
4: <laughs> so you're you're more concerned about the the motor function of of its consumption than its actual uh, make and model, if you will.
2: Right. It, it's yeah. all. It's all. I I view it as an evolutionary tree, less than actual defined styles, because per- we're talking handheld. Yeah. You know? So, were you going to say is a pervious sandwich? Yes. <laughs> now adam he has some eye rolling and huffing about i know he doesn't believe in this because he wears khakis and watches (laughs) the christmas story
3: (laughs) oh oh good now i get to be judged again great yes
4: well (laughs) (laughs) so to be clear is a pierogi a sandwich
2: yes pierogi is a sandwich (laughs) okay Pierogi is right. just a mini calzone, and a calzone so, is a sandwich. So
4: all dumplings are sandwiches?
2: <laughs> yes, all dumplings are sandwiches because they're handheld and consumed that way. All right. All right. Yeah, you you just want to watch the world burn is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I, I don't think of it that way. I would think of it as I'm more accepting of everything being sandwiches except for soups. Soups have to have an inedible container. You know, the only time it gets blurry is when it goes in a bread bowl. I don't... We haven't defined that yet.
3: (laughs) But if you if you freeze the soup inside the bread bowl, would that not now be considered a sandwich?
2: Well, I mean, just it doesn't have to be frozen because if you can carry the bread bowl by hand, you know it's with it's filling contained within a outer shell.
4: If you took a took a taco salad and you put it in one of those tortilla bowls, is it a sandwich? Yes. (laughs) Man. If I was so inclined and I had a biodegradable um, uh, uh, food grade bowl and I was eating cereal out of it <laughs> and now I, and I personally, I made the personal choice that I was going to consume that bowl after I was done. Would that be a sandwich? <sighs> See,
2: this because is really you putting
3: s- him to the test. I like well,
2: this. Uh, well, no, because he just said after he was done, yeah. And that's the problem. The problem is you have to consume it at the same time. All right. So if I took
4: a bite out of the bottom of the bowl and slurped the milk out of the bottom of the bowl and then consumed the bowl, have, have will I? would I have consumed a sandwich? It's possible.
2: This is the gray area that comes into it. You know, we don't make hard and fast rules though, because of this gray area, gotcha. but it's, it's more about is the, is the shell consumable and is it handheld? That's that, those are the, you know, those are the only hard and fast rules we have.
4: Gotcha. gotcha.
2: Soup, it gets, it gets dicey. It gets confusing because you can get some really thick soups and you know, how, how thick is it from a soup to a sauce and sauces go on sandwiches all the time. You know,
4: here's a question. You take two pieces of bread, mm-hmm. you soak them in a liquid. Water, yeah. let's say it's water. Yeah. So two wet pieces of bread,
2: Yeah. You put, you put them together, you eat it. Is that a sandwich? No, because you didn't, have, you didn't have an extra filling. Well, the filling was water. But it wasn't contained within the shell. It was just part of the bread. It was the nature of the shell.
3: All right, because I would equate that to essentially French toast.
2: Right. They, yeah. You get the French toast, Monte Cristo territory. So you, wh-
4: what I'm, I guess what I'm saying this is if you're talking about a soup in a bread bowl as being potentially a sandwich, are you then making some sort of judgment on the texture or ingredients within the soup? It well, could there's... just be bone broth.
2: Right. Is I would bone s- broth
4: in a bread bowl soup? Or, I mean, is bone broth in a bread bowl a sandwich?
2: I think because the bread maintains its separate nature, as well as the bone broth maintains its separate nature. Whereas if you're just soaking it in water, it just becomes water bread. There's, there's, no, different, there's no differentiation between the two things. So that's that's why, the, that's why the, um, the Monte Cristo maintains its stature as a sandwich, because even though the bread was soaked in an egg wash, it still maintains like bread consistency. And that's just one thing. That's one ingredient is your egg wash bread. And then the rest of the ingredients of the Monte Cristo, the ham and more egg, if you put it on there or cheese, whatever, those are all separate ingredients in case within the shell.
3: So you're saying that in order to be classified as a sandwich, it would need to be able to be disassembled.
2: Yeah, there is and then dis- reassembled. Yeah, there is a disassembly part to it. Not necessarily reassembled, but a disassembly because that goes back to that taco bowl theory. Mm. If you put it in the tortilla bowl, because you can't really reassemble tortilla. It's just chips. <laughs> if, you, if you disassemble. Right, but if you're, if you're taking
3: the taco salad and consider that to be one ingredient, right. take that out of the tortilla bowl, Yeah. then you have that separation and you can put it back together.
4: right. I mean, I could take those tortilla strips, crush them up, add a little water, make like a masa meal type of situation. <laughs> sure, if you really want to go it through out, all those press steps. Put, press it and make it back into a tortilla. <laughs> There's need to be
3: rules here, Steve. We need to start yeah. writing this down.
4: Is, I mean, he did say anarchy. So. This is yeah, true. I did, right. I did say radical sandwich <laughs> anarchy. There was no... Yeah. He didn't, he didn't say this was a, a law and order type of sandwich <laughs> yeah. group. He did say radical anarchy. So.
2: <laughs> but it, it also opens up, you know, like it allows for things like Choco Taco being a sandwich because it's not traditional fillings. It's ice cream and it's also taco. But it also is more inclusive because we allow for things like gyros. And gyro is a sandwich, if you think about it. And it then,
4: certainly is. I mean, it's a piece of bread, right? It's right. a piece of bread with some stuff in it.
2: Yeah. And it doesn't have to be two pieces because it was wrapped up. Falafel pita. Yeah. You, you get to include falafel, and then the pita is not, again, two pieces of bread, it's one split. And then stuffed.
4: See, I, I almost want to go the dire, the inverse direction and say, like, I've got to assume, and I'm not some you know, I'm not an expert in, in you know, food historian here, but I would bet that tacos predate sandwiches, I would assume. Mm. Um, so that said, all sandwiches, everything sh- really should be a taco. Hmm. Oh, now there's an interesting point. So all sandwiches are tacos. Anything that's wrapped in a thing and then consumed is a taco. Right?
2: If, if you could prove the history, I would be more willing to agree.
4: And I don't know. This is just some assumptions that I'm making, but I do yeah. feel like probably like, you know, uh, I feel like probably using tortilla and especially in like, you know, non bread and, and other type of like what's what's the kind of spongy bread that like um like Ethiopian restaurants use to pick up the food with?
2: Oh, oh I know what you're talking about, right, but right, I don't I need know to, the but name.
4: I... That stuff has to all predate Sam. Has to all predate you know the Earl of Sandwich or whatever. Right. Sandwich, right
2: right, yeah the, the yeah, I would definitely give it the non bread predating all that, and I assume the Ethiopian bread predates as well,
4: yeah. yeah, we moved into sandwich theory um really from from just being strictly a pea focused podcast, it's now more sandwich <laughs>
2: theory. yeah
4: gotcha.
2: yeah i I guess if you could prove which culture had the first evidence of like dippable folded bread, you know. That would be your first sandwich. The, the one that sticks out in my mind is what I learned from George Moats. if you've ever watched his YouTube channel. with oh, first burger movies. guy, yeah, yeah. Yeah, burger guy. He, burger, his, my, his,
4: whatever it's called. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah, burger guy. It's just history. But he, yeah. ta- he talks about one of the earliest forms of the hamburger being like hamburger wrapped up in a bun. Like, and it was in kind of the Russian farmer age uh, they would just wrap ground meat within a bun and it was more like a hot pocket, which is also a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> it's a taco we've established. Yeah. <laughs> so that that's kind of the earliest instance of a hamburger of like, you know, meat wrapped in a bun. So you can consider that. If you can prove anything before that, then that's what you, you go with. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I, I would, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. So whatever, whoever can prove whatever first. But, you know, in general, American parlance, I think sandwich is fine.
4: (laughs) And we're never going to get that time back. No.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a good sandwich debate. And I think it's introducing a lot of people, you know, to my theories of the world. (laughs) The the other thing we wanted to touch on just a little bit, but it it will become more apparent in the third segment, is that you're a big fan of horror films as well.
4: I do. I love, I love me some, some horror flicks and uh, strange movies and exploitation films and all that kind of genre, genre films for sure.
2: So I assume you got started pretty early then if you're, if you're also into the kind of early seventies genre film as well, like the exploitation and trauma films at all.
4: Oh yeah, for for yeah. sure. I just watched *Trauma's War* not that long ago, actually. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah, I love uh, I love all that stuff. I was introduced at a, a young age. My uh, my late uh, aunt was uh, a, a huge uh, horror nerd and just obsessed with you know Halloween and the macabre and all that sort of thing. And um, she, you know, her and I were really close, and um, so she uh, she introduced us myself my my brother my cousins to all that stuff at a very young age so it was it was we always joke it's interesting my brother and i are both big horror fans and my cousins went the complete opposite direction in fact my 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 older cousin who shall remain nameless she he, she was he was older than us uh, than the, the than the rest of us uh, or the rest of the boys at least and he's he an older sister it's much older but in any case he uh we used to love them and look forward to going having sleepovers at her house and watching like <laughs> leprechaun and, and, uh, and, you know, and, uh, all the, all this crazy stuff. And she, um, he, he took the complete opposite route. He hates horror movies. We one time watched, uh, paranormal activity, the first one, not long, okay. after, not on DVD. So this would have been, I don't know, whatever, the 2005 or 2006, I don't know when it came out. And, uh, we woke up in the morning at his house and uh, went in and I, you know, was throwing something away in the trash and he had thrown the DVD away. He was so disturbed <laughs> by what he saw that he was like, I don't want this in my house. And he threw <laughs> the DVD away. <laughs> so he really hates it. But we went the opposite direction and, and really, yeah, fell, fell in love with it at, you know, when we were about eight, 10 years old. So...
2: Personally, I would have thrown that movie away as well, but different reasons.
4: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm not a fan at all, but I just remember him being genuinely so scared as an adult human about it (laughs) that he threw it in the trash. (laughs) We we give him a hard time about it to this day. So
3: I've got a question. As somebody who is not a a horror film buff, Mm
4: -hmm. is Jaws a horror movie or is it not? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. One of the greatest horror movies of all time, I would argue. Um, you know, it's not like a classic. You know, you know, ghosts and goblins and vampires and monsters type of. thing. I mean, it's a monster movie, uh, certainly. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, it, it's unique in that it takes place. You know, it has certainly has different um, settings, but a very similar theme. And uh, you know, yeah, I would say honestly, one of the. S- That is one of the movies that I I don't necessarily, when people say, what are your top 10 favorite horror movies, I don't know that it would make it on the list, but I would say it is as close to, and that's just my personal taste because I love, you know, schlocky, crazy nonsense, um, but it is, along with like The Shining, you know, The Exorcist, a couple other movies, I think it was like near perfect horror movies in my mind because I, I, yeah. I've
3: heard th- I've heard people argue that it is a horror movie, and I've heard people say that it's not. That they would say it's more of a
4: thriller. Hmm. Yeah, there's such specific horror tropes in it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the, the it's it's just it, it's it's absolutely a horror movie. Um, when I think of a thriller, I think of something like there are certain movies that have horror themes and have horrific imagery that I would argue are closer to a thriller or a psychological thriller or something like that like a like even seven you know Mm -hmm. like i would seven i would definitely consider a horror movie but i agree that if someone argued that that was a thriller i would be more receptive to that argument than i would to jaws being a thriller because jaws is a freaking monster
2: movie you know what i mean (laughs) it is is water Cujo.
4: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) yeah
2: but yeah so do you have any suggestions? Uh, I know the film releases were pretty light last year, but did you have any suggestions from 2020 of something that you saw that oh boy, popped out that to you
4: came out last year? Yeah. I mean,
2: so actually, interestingly enough, I started
4: last year, you know, January of, of 2020. And I said, I want to g- watch a hundred. Cause I, I, I tend to be one of these people that watches like I've seen Halloween. I've seen like every John Carpenter movie, like, 30 times or I mean, Halloween night, original 1978 Halloween, I've probably seen a hundred times. Right. I, I, I watch it probably once a month since I've been you know eight years old. But last year I set out to, to say like, okay, I want to watch a hundred new horror movies that I've never seen before or, or ones that I hadn't seen since I was a kid that I want to revisit. And that was pre-COVID. Obviously, I made this kind of New Year's resolution, and uh, and I ended up at three hundred and forty <laughs> <Holy shit. laughs> new nice. horror movies or movies that I was going to. Re- so there's so many movies that I that uh um that that came out last year, and I've already uh, up to about a dozen this year so far. But um, yeah, I don't know, not necessarily ones that I had uh, that came out last year. But if you're looking for one that came out last year. There's one called Host that was really fantastic. That is like, talk about a contemporary movie that like took uh, some, some similar like, you know, familiar horror tropes and made them like really, really um, uh, feel really like different and modern and like 100% of, of their time. It's, a, it's an enti- the whole entire movie and it's a really short run time. It only is like, I wanna say like about an hour-ish, a little over an hour. Um, and I'm looking up the director's name, uh, Rob Savage. I couldn't remember his name. Um, and it takes place on zoom like this. Hmm. And it's like these people during the pandemic doing like a seance and things kind of go crazy. And it sounds like it would be contained and like hard to really like lose yourself in it, but you absolutely do. It's like, if you're looking for an interesting horror movie that came out last year that there's nothing else like it, I would say host it's worth checking out.
3: Interesting. Awesome. Where did yeah. you see that at? Was I assume that was
4: on a streaming service? Yeah, it was on Shudder. I think you can find it other places now. But um, if you don't, if you're a horror movie fan at all, like, and you 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 should check out. You should probably check out Shutter. Um, it's uh, it's like a streaming service that's all, like a really well like curated. Um, uh, but long list of of all you know horror movies. You could probably download it on iTunes or something like that as well. But you know, I think it was a relatively small, you know, independent feature. But uh, like I said, quick nice. runtime. And uh, but yeah, I watched it on Shutter.
2: Right on. Yeah, I think Shutter does a pretty good job. It, like you said, it curates all horror films, and they also have some original programming. Like I started watching their uh, Creep Show
4: oh yeah the creatures
2: did you watch the holiday one the, the christmas i haven't one? got to the holiday one no no i just was, started
4: i thought it was really fun <laughs>
2: <laughs> but yeah they, i like the creep show uh series they put out i mean it's it's kind of cheesy and it definitely reminds you of tales from the crypt obviously but
4: yeah, if, yeah. You, if you like the original creep show creep show 2 which i think is kind of frankly underrated um you'll definitely like it yeah it's it's super fun Thanks. For, found, a friend, oh, cool. <laughs> found
2: a friend, did you? Found a friend, did you?
4: Yeah, there's so many, uh, there's so many cool, like, I've watched so many, you know, I've always been like Korean horror. I love, you know, Korean horror movies and mm-hmm. just like sensibility and everything. But uh, I've watched a ton of probably the one of the scariest movies I've seen in years. Um, I watched on, uh, I don't know if it was on Shutter this year. Um, but it was it was a south american horror movie, and i 'm looking right now because i'm i don't want to... Uh, argentinian movie from two thousand seventeen called terrified hmm. um, not to be confused with terrifier like with yeah. all right. um but uh, I watched it on amazon prime and uh yeah i mean for for a jaded horror fan uh yeah i about I jumped out of my skin a couple
2: times. (laughs) Nice. Nice. I'll have to check that one out. All right. Well, with that, we're going to move into segment three and we're going to combine everything we've been talking about tonight. I'm going to put together sandwiches and horror films into a game that Adam will hate and Brian might be frustrated with, but we'll see. (laughs) So we'll come back with that in a minute.
1: Hi, I'm Matt. And I am Jesse. So like, what is American Slacker, I guess, right? The highest amount of dick jokes per episode, per podcast. We've been on the air for 57 straight years. 57 straight years of dick jokes. Things constantly soaring over my head. And you pulling my chain, and your weekly weird news. We're also cannabis friendly. We kind of sneak it in there, almost like you're lacing the brownies at the family reunion. It's the ride of your motherfucking life. Fucking 11, when there's only 10 on the dial weapons of mass destruction it's a threat to society food assaults yeah that happens too sometimes an ostrich took a lit match into a fireworks factory
0: <laughs> i don't even know where to go that one.
1: no that's our third story <laughs> oh my god america what are you doing so is someone dumb getting fucked over well you know they should have never gave raccoons rights, in my opinion <laughs> oh my god you can help us you can help everyone download our shit now we're second, we're
2: second america welcome back to episode 184 of the Nation usa podcast we're in the middle of dry january so of course we're just talking hoogies sandos, a little bit of uh, club sandwiches maybe maybe somebody's got a club sandwich coming up this segment we don't know Steve, Bye-bye. you
3: could have just said tacos and saved us a whole bunch of time.
2: Tacos?
4: Yeah. <laughs> we're talking all tacos. Welcome back to Taco Where
2: <laughs> <laughs> we talk about beer-type tacos. <laughs> See, this is perfect because that little interlude episode we did last week, Adam, we yes. were drinking the rumor of tacos. I was. And it and tasted absolutely
3: talking- nothing like tacos. Yeah,
2: But now we're talking all tacos. So last week was a rumor of what was happening now Mm -hmm. we totally planned that yeah absolutely (laughs) but uh yes i am still joined by my co-host adam and of course our guest tonight is brian reed master cicerone beer educator and sandwich lover all around i will cop to that okay so adam i'm going to start with you this segment i want you to tell us about your sandwich
3: all right and uh this is a topic that we have not gotten into yet food trucks. We haven't talked about anything from a food truck yet. Oh. And uh the uh, the good people of Two Brothers barbecue, they're Yee-yee. based out of th- That is the proper response. <laughs> they're based out of Presto. Uh they make some fantastic food. Uh and I'm going to bring up their their brisket sandwich. Their shaved brisket sandwich. I yeah. am a huge fan of that. Uh there there'll be pictures up later as well. But yeah. what's nice is I mean, it's shaved brisket sandwich. You're going to like it. But everything else that they have there as well. If you're a fan of their poutine, get that. If you're a fan of their wings, that of wings they have some fantastic smoked wings. Get on board with that. But pair that with the shaved brisket sandwich. Yeah, you won't go wrong. What love, what all
4: comes on the Sorry, I talked over you. No, I, was, I, was, yeah, I, yeah. I couldn't resist when you said <laughs> I love me some smoked wings.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah the smoke wing the smoked wings are great cuz they're also like pretty big. Like mm. Not they're not completely like pterodactyl size wings, but they're pretty hefty. But uh what comes on the brisket sandwich, Adam? Is it like like brisket? Okay, I didn't know if it was like <laughs> sauce. I didn't know <laughs> if they put a slaw on it. I didn't know if they threw some pizza. No,
3: there, there is a sauce on it. There is a, a a tangy barbecue on there, uh lightly dressing up the brisket. But uh yeah, it's fairly straightforward. It it
2: no must, no fuss. Right on. Brian, what's your sandwich for segment three?
4: I'm going. I'm going uh, homemade uh, for this one, and it's it's a, it's a Homer pick for sure. But uh, um, I had uh, my brother who lives in Nashville and uh my uh my sister-in-law who also obviously is Nashville, but is from uh minnesota um and they you know they work from home and you know all that they've been kind of quarantining and all that sort of thing so they came up and paid us a visit spent a couple of weeks with us for the holidays and uh we we reintroduced uh my sister-in-law to the wonders of the ham barbecue oh. uh, and the and the the isley's chip chopped ham the isley sauce and, uh, and, you know, there was some other debate as to what other uh, accoutrements should be uh, involved there. But I am a sucker for, uh, for nostalgia. And uh, there's no, there are few, few sandwiches aside from maybe, and I almost put a peanut butter and jelly or peanut butter in anything really. That's kind of like, I eat my body weight in peanut butter, probably. <laughs> um, aside from maybe a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, there's nothing more nostalgic to me than, uh, than a uh, uh, ham barbecue especially on, especially on Steelers Sunday. Yeah. That, get that's... that crock pot rolling about eight, nine in the morning. Yeah. Get it good and soft. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> we actually had a, a, a couple of, they were up here, like I said, for a couple of weeks. So we had a couple of weeks where we were watching, you know, watching the Steelers and, uh, and, and making some ham barbecue. And I learned that there is a new variation on the Isley sauce. There's a hot and spicy oh. oh, came out with, and it's fantastic. Um a little less sweet, a little more acidic than the than the traditional one and it's got like some it's not like make you sweat hot, but it's like kind of more hot than you would expect it's pretty tasty but uh the other the other uh, debate within the house was one my sister in law which I love dearly, but she wanted to put cheese on it and that was that was uh. Uh, that was a problem and I asked her leave and there was a dust up and uh, <laughs> but no, they, and then the other thing was i like the relish which a lot of people put the put the sweet relish in the crock pot with the sauce mm. uh, i prefer that the rest of my family doesn't necessarily so i was forced for the second week to uh to hold off on the relish but you
2: know, I, I, I always enjoy just not necessarily in the crock pot but i do like just kind of lathering a little layer of a sweet relish on the top bun
4: yeah that one's too i think i think it's probably not orthodox but acceptable also to maybe throw a couple uh couple of bread and butter pickle chips on mm-hmm. there. I think mm-hmm. people have done that, which, uh, which I enjoy, but, uh, yeah, cheese, cheese is problematic.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. That's a no.
4: The <laughs> so one week actually, um, we went, you know, we, we got it and we got, um, you know, groceries delivered and, uh, we, you know, asked for two pounds or three pounds or whatever of Isley's chipped ham and they freaking brought it sliced. Uh. <laughs> who brings who even sell i mean i know when you go to like the deli counter and you know you go down Mario's giant eagle which is my giant eagle uh and i go uh you know a pound of isley's ham they say you want chipped or sliced and everyone gets it chipped well there wasn't you know direction on the app to order right. it assume they're going to bring it no they sliced it i was like yeah why hell? why yeah why would they default to sliced right <laughs> yeah must have been someone new or something, I don't know. But <laughs> definitely, it completely ruined the texture of the sandwich.
2: Someone out of tan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, and, and my sandwich for segment three is actually just a callback to last segment. It's another an Italian Hagee. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. Just again, classic Italian Hagee. Uh, this one is from Walmart. And this plays into what Brian mentioned last segment in that kind of hot or cold, no matter where it comes from, Italian haggie still pretty good.
4: Yeah. Hard to beat.
2: Yeah. The one thing I p- wanted to point out, though, specifically about the Walmart Italian hoagie, though, is that it comes with a little packet of pepper relish. And the pepper relish is awesome. Really? You, don't get, you don't get that a lot of places like it, without outside of like uh, an actual deli. That would have the more classic uh, Giardina, yeah, the, the the real fermented good stuff that you see in a jar. You know, but yeah, Walmart does it pretty good.
4: Interesting. We would not have thought to get Italians. I see a little bit of,
2: is that a little, one of my
4: favorite words? I know it probably isn't, but I can't resist. One of my favorite words to say in a your accent is Osseago. Osseago. I'm like, is that a little bit of Aussie? I'll get it on
2: there. <laughs> yeah, I think so. It's a little bit of Aussie. i get on the bread, and I toasted it up. That's the other thing is just a just a tip for people at home. You should put your hoagies in the oven. You can do that yourself. Like, that's not. <laughs> you do have that's to disassemble, man. Yeah, you do have bread. to disassemble a little bit because you've got to get the lettuce and the pickle off of there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but just put them right back on it's fine melt that cheese totally
4: worth, totally worth it it takes a mediocre sub to a to a to a good sub and a yeah. serviceable sub up to a mediocre sub like just heating it up under the broiler getting that cheese melty get some of them get some of that grease running from the yeah. pepperoni and the mm-hmm. salami
2: absolutely and like and again this is a walmart sub but a toasted walmart sub blows subway out of the water yeah, like, Subway, sub- arguably
4: not even a sub like,
2: yeah exactly well yeah there's been government arguments that we can't call this bread and we can't call it sandwich and we can't call it meat
4: <laughs> well and, and also everything's just turkey
2: yeah it's all like, turkey soy
4: <laughs> yeah the the like the salami is made of turkey and whatever soy fillers that they put in it like listen i eat some gross stuff like i love love <laughs> spam and i love like i will eat i'm just a a human garbage can but you're gonna tell yeah oh i love braunschwager i i used to go to lunch uh at a place called cafe bavaria in wisconsin in uh, milwaukee if you ever go to milwaukee it's a great german beer bar and you just get a plate of braunschwager raw onions like spicy mustard and like uh, a liter of dunkel and then we just to go there for lunch and then come back to the office, just stinking. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was, uh, uh, yeah, the, uh, I, I can, now I'm just thinking about Brunchweger. I, I
2: don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. We're just subway bashing. It's Oh, no, that's right. Yeah.
4: If you, if you give me something and you tell me it's ham, but then I find out it's made of turkey and soy, that's problematic. Right.
2: Yeah. it's That's a big no. It's a hard no. I hate subway <laughs> all right those are our sandwiches and now it's time for a game this week's game is going to work similar to our past trivias and the past trivia is for those who don't know i'm going to ask a question and that question is going to be worth two points if you can answer it without multiple choice if you need the multiple choice just ask i'll give it to you and then if you can't get it, your opponent has the ability to steal for one point. So I have six questions. This week's theme, as I've mentioned before, is sandwiches and horror films. So the questions are going to work like this. I'm going to give you a horror film. You tell me the sandwich that is popular in the area that the film is based. So if I gave you Dawn of the Dead, you would say Permanis. You could say Permani's sandwich. That's what Pittsburgh is kind of famous for. If you really wanted to be shitty about it, you could say Philly cheesesteak as the movie begins in Philly, but I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to parse it that much. <laughs> so we're just looking.
4: I was going to say, say, what's a Monroeville sandwich? But there is, uh, there is a, uh, a Permani's in Monroeville. So, yeah. It's, it's
2: just general <laughs> Pittsburgh, you know. <laughs> well, what would be the know. closest? <laughs> so, yes. But I'm not going to give you Dawn of the Dead because that would be too easy. <laughs> <laughs> that was the only way I was going to get any points. Well, we'll see. Uh, I will give it a chance. Uh, Brian, you can go first or you can let Adam go first. Um, You know what? I'll go first. Why not? Okay. So in the film Hatchet, which stars Kane Hodder mm-hmm. and Tony Todd and yeah. Robert Englund, what would be the number one sandwich of the area of the film Hatchet? I I would have to say there's a couple of options, but I'm gonna go uh, shrimp and oyster po' boy. And Brian is on the board with two points already.
4: <laughs> Mister Mr. Mr. Mister Victor Crowley lives <laughs> in uh, New Orleans, That's or the right. general New Orleans area. I guess
2: I don't. Yeah, know. yeah. Again, I'm just kind of shooting for the New Orleans area, and obviously we're talking about the shrimp and oyster po'boy, which is actually, when you make it shrimp and oyster, it's known as a peacemaker when you, when you put both on there, but yes, uh, the, the po'boy was an invention from a sandwich maker when there was strikes for the trolley services that run through New Orleans. And so the sandwich makers, they would offer sandwiches for the striking trolley runners, because the, uh, the owners of the deli were previous trolley runners. And so when trolley runners would come in, they would say, oh, here's another poor boy. Give him, you know, give him a sandwich. And obviously shrimp and oyster and crawfish all, as well. You know, very common for the New Orleans cuisine. Yeah. So there you go. There's a little bit of history of the po' boy. And then hatchet for the movie that Adam never saw. Nope. <laughs> does <laughs> it does occur in New Orleans. And it's very much a throwback. To old slasher films and stars Kane Hodder as Victor Crowley, who previously portrayed Jason in the Friday the 13th films.
3: Best I can get you is the book hatchet about some kid that got lost in the the Yukon. That's it. Okay.
2: (laughs) Well, Adam, it's time to move on to your question.
3: All right. I'm not ready, but let's do it anyways.
2: (laughs) Your question is concerning the Babadook. The allegory for drug addiction. It comes from a certain country. I'll give you that hint. What sandwich was made famous in the country that the Baba Duke originates from? I'm going to
3: need some multiple choices here. I'll jump straight to that.
2: Yeah. Your choices are ham dog, dot hog, hot ham, or the shrimperoo. I'll go hot ham. What the hell? Hot ham? That is incorrect. Brian, your choice is steel. Yeah, steel.
4: Well, I'm trying to... I'm, I've seen The Babadook. I've only seen it once. Um, I'm trying to think about where The Babadook was from. Where the book was from. That The
2: Babadook comes from. What was the other multiple choices? Uh, your choices are Hamdog, Dot Hog, and Shrimparoo. I would also say don't worry about any of the books or anything. This is just where the film is based. Don't try to... Because I, ah, right. I don't know I don't know the book and I don't know if that's different from the film.
4: Yeah, weren't they were they from the UK somewhere? I'm trying to remember. It's been some time since I've seen it. Um the ham dog. What were the choices? I'm sorry, one more
2: time. Ham dog, dot hog, and Shrimperoo. I'm gonna say the dot hog. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> that is also incorrect. Okay, I don't
4: know. <laughs> I have no idea
2: what it is. I've never heard of it. So I kind of gave a little bit of a hint with Shrimparoo. Oh yeah, is where the the, the film originates. The film is occurring in Australia.
4: Oh, I didn't I, I didn't remember that. Okay. Yeah. The answer, I remember though, the accent that they had, and I immediately, just being <laughs> an ignorant, ignorant Westerner, was like, oh, it's a British accent.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, more or less. Yeah. Uh, the answer, though, is ham dog, because in 2004, a man invented a way to put a hamburger and a hot dog on a bun in the same sandwich.
4: And he was... <laughs> and he I called was, it to ham dog. <laughs> he was either knighted or became a saint or
2: what. <laughs> Well, he so, became became a patriot saint of fair food because it did become popular <laughs> in the U.S. through that. So. Okay,
4: gotcha. I'm unfamiliar, but I now want to seek it out. <laughs> so is that is that a, a
3: multidimensional sandwich or taco? I should say taco. Uh-huh. Because the hot dog is inside
2: the hamburger, which is inside the bun. Right. So the bun is specially made to take a shape of a hot dog and a hamburger. The, the hamburger is cut in half to accommodate space for the hot dog. And of course you'll be able to see all this on social media and YouTube as you're watching.
4: But... This is like an inception level taco.
2: Right. Yeah.
3: Cause yes. you have the first layer with the, the hamburger and the hot dog. Then you have the second layer with the hamburger and the bun. Then you have the third layer with the hot dog and the bun. Yeah. As you,
2: as you choose your bites, you can choose your tastes. <laughs> it's too much, man. It's t- those Aussies. It's just too much. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next film. And Brian, this is your question. Children of the Corn. It occurs within the town of Gatlin as a young couple from California is on vacation. What sandwich would be the best representation of the state that Gatlin is located in?
4: I have a guess, and I'm trying to weigh whether i should take the the multiple choice or not i'm gonna go for the uh i'm gonna go for the uh uh for the gusto and i'm gonna say loose meat sandwich
2: and that is incorrect although there was one that was in the uh, multiple choice so you may have chosen it anyway
4: (laughs) okay yeah if i would have heard it i would have picked it then yeah
2: goes to you adam i'm gonna need those multiple choices cubano and Reuben and Isley's Chip Chopped Ham. I had to go with the Reuben. That is correct.
4: Yeah, I might have guessed it because I learned that the Reuben was created there tonight on this podcast. <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Which is where the fictional town of Gatlin is. Mm. Uh, but Gatlin isn't a real town. So I just had to go with, you know, Nebraska, the closest. <laughs> and as it, oh, we already talked about, it was actually invented at the Blackstone Hotel during a weekly poker game. And the, one of the attendees was a Jewish, uh, Jewish American grocer who was looking for a sandwich to be made with corned beef and pastrami. And the chefs at the Blackstone gave him something that was also full of Thousand Island and sauerkraut. And hey, that's good. <laughs> is the loose meat sandwich, is that from Iowa? I'm not going to tell you. Okay, because
4: okay, I, I couldn't remember if it was Nebraska or Iowa where the movie was set.
2: But... I'm not going to tell you where that's from. <laughs> okay, good. It may come up later. <laughs> All right, Adam, moving on. All right. This one's for you. I am ready. The film Reanimator. It occurs in the Massachusetts area, and, well, as most H.P. Lovecraft-based things do. <laughs> I want you to tell me, what sandwich is Massachusetts pretty famous for? What taco did the Massachusettss invent?
3: <laughs> Man, I, I, I have an idea, but uh, I'm not confident enough to, to shout it out there, so I'm going to need some options.
2: Okay, your options are taco, crunch wrap, Double Bacon Supreme or Fluffernutter? Fluffernutter. And that is correct for one point. That was yeah. not going to be my guess. So it I'm is.
4: super <laughs> <Yeah>. glad. <laughs> I would have needed the multiple choice for that too. <laughs> I was like racking my brain. What is a Massachusetts sandwich? A good thing, I couldn't think of anything. Yeah.
3: yeah. My, my immediate thought was lobster roll. But yeah. yeah. That's more of a From New me. England thing. Yeah. yeah rather yeah. than. Just Massachusetts.
2: Yeah, specifically, uh, fluff was originally invented in Massachusetts. It was actually invented by two different companies, and uh, one of the original companies called it a liberty sandwich to begin with. But you know, as fluff became more regular parlance, you know, you have fluff peanut butter, fluff or nutter. So yeah, fluff or nutters come from Massachusetts in the nineteen hmm. early nineteen hundreds. Because they were actually a, a replacement for, uh, as World War I was carrying on. You had the rationing of meats and other things, so they replaced it with peanut butter.
3: So the Fluffernutter sandwich is actually older than
2: sliced bread. Mm, more or less, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> peanut butter and jellies were actually invented in 1901. In, in the Boston cooking, uh, it, it, it was in the Boston Cooking School magazine. So again, technically Massachusetts, but it was more of a magazine rather than at just like a restaurant or somebody who was making food to begin with. Who knew that Massachusetts had such a
3: childlike wonder when it came to sandwiches?
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're going to go to another movie. And this one's for you, Brian. We mentioned Dawn of the Dead and how that was set in Pittsburgh. Return of the Living Dead was a mm-hmm. bit of a take on the zombie genre in the in I think it was like mid late eighties. Yeah. Uh what sandwich though would be popular where Return of the Living Dead takes place?
4: So I, I love this movie and I love the Tar Man there is one of my favorite imagery images in in all of horror. And I'm trying to think
1: he's not dry (laughs) no he's not dry he is
4: is, he's 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 a moisty boy uh the tar man himself um i want to say that the movie is based in new jersey is my is my where my head goes to so i immediately want to go with taylor ham uh which is a new jersey uh, a new jersey thing but i think i do need to go with the because last time I guessed, I I, I I led myself astray. So I, I got to get the, the multiple
2: choice. Okay, your multiple choices are gyro, meatball sub, Monte Cristo, or a Kentucky hot brown.
4: Oof, there's never no even way.
2: heard of a Kentucky hot brown.
4: Oh, Kentucky hot brown's good. That's a turkey sandwich. It's a very moist turkey sandwich. You wouldn't like it. Oh, but, I'm <laughs> out. <laughs> it's got like tomatoes and gravy on like it's like an open face thing. Um, all right. So not definitely not that, um, the gyro was one of them. Um, what was the other two? Sorry. Meatball sub and Monte Cristo. Monte Cristo. I think the Monte Cristo would have been invented in like, you know, and like, I don't know why that seems like a New York thing to me. Um, meatball sub or
2: I'll say meatball sub that is incorrect adam to you i'll go monte cristo also incorrect all right <laughs> <laughs> the answer is kentucky hot brown really yes because the film return of the living dead is set within louisville
4: i did not know that yeah maybe <laughs> so many times for some reason i thought of it as like a new jersey like all the punk kids hanging out in the right in the uh graveyard and uh the the great linnea quigley and maybe her most iconic uh uh scene dancing on in you know completely naked in the graveyard another I just, reference to trash yeah <laughs> i immediately thought for some reason that feels like a new jersey scene to me i don't know why
2: yeah no it totally does i get you it feels new jersey but it was filmed in california but it's set in louisville so whatever Okay. <laughs> yeah uh, as uh Brian was mentioning though the Kentucky hot brown is a very uh, moist sandwich. That was it's kind of why I had tar Man up because
4: oh yeah no well I see it <laughs>
2: just a slight maybe hint that yeah but uh, yeah moist sandwich open face turkey cheese gravy all kinds of things but uh, uh, just a little bit on the Monte Cristo for a second it was actually invented in uh, California at a hotel I believe that was called the Monte Cristo.
4: There you go. It's it feels like a hotel sandwich. Mm-hmm.
2: It feels like it does. It's,
4: it's like it was invented at the Delmonico, you know, or something, right. something like that. So
2: Yeah. All right. This is our sixth question in the multiple choice round. And I do have a final question for both of you to compete in. But uh, Adam, your film is the crazies. But as we know, not the original one filmed in evan city (laughs) so again (laughs) the answer is not for (laughs) Manny. we are talking the 2010 remake with timothy oliphant what is the sandwich that would be most associated with the crazies of 2010 i have no idea let's get some multiple choice rolling here your choices are loose meat sandwich isley's chip chop ham is it a meatball sub or is it a Pop Tart? Pop Tart? Radical sandwich anarchy comes into play. <laughs> <laughs> is it a Pop Tart? Ah, I'll go meatball sub. Incorrect. All right. <laughs> yeah, this one's the loose meat, right? This one is the loose meat sandwich. <laughs> it, uh, the 2010 crazies occurs in Iowa. And the loose meat sandwich was invented by Dave Higgins in 1924 in Sioux city, Iowa. Good flick. Good flick. I watched it actually like maybe two months ago. Love, love me some
4: uh, Timothy Olifan. Right on.
2: So going into our final question, Brian has three points. Adam, you have two points. I'm on the board. You're not getting beat as much as you thought, but (laughs) of course, the last question is uh, played closest to the closest to the number and it is a bit of a complicated math question. I want you to give me the Friday the 13th movie that Jason is closest to the origination of Bagels and Locks and multiply it by the length of a whole get-go sub. (laughs) (laughs) Say
3: that entire question again.
2: Take the number of the Friday the 13th movie that Jason is closest to the origination of Bagels and Locks and multiply it by the length of a whole get-go sub. You can go over. That's fine. It's just closest to the number. Okay.
3: (laughs) All right. I think I've got my number.
2: All right, Adam. If you want to go first, you can. I'm going to say 28. Okay. I'm going to say 96. 96. And Brian, with 96, is closest to the actual number. It is... Friday the 13th, part eight. Jason takes, yep, takes Manhattan. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, puts him closest to the uh, or origin of bagels and locks, despite none of those ingredients being invented in New York. It was just put together by uh, delicatessens. Uh, and then the length of a whole get go sub is 14 inches oh, okay. bigger than your standard 12, which puts the actual number at 112. Yeah, I just did eight times 12. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that, that, that's the game. Brian won, as most of the time guests do win on this show. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Especially when we're talking horror films. The deck was stacked yeah. against.
2: Well, we always try to deck the stack against the hosts.
3: <laughs> deck the stack.
2: Deck the stack. That's uh, a
3: good
4: name right there. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I I knew going in that I I didn't have a snowball's chance. Those were all, man. You just happened to pick a lot. Of, I mean, the crazies I certainly wouldn't pick them among the my favorite. But I just watched it not that long ago. But you also picked a bunch of my favorite movies.
2: Like well, yeah, I, yeah, I purposely I purposely picked Reanimator yeah like i uh, here's the thing some of the guests don't know is like if i'm friends with you on twitter i'll go into your tweets to see if i can use them against you (laughs) i just some some stewart gordon tweets that oh yeah yeah
4: passed away last year right so i probably yeah
2: yeah absolutely i just i just typed in favorite favorite horror film or favorite horror movie. And then with your name and then just went through your tweets. And I was like, Oh yeah, he's a big fan of reanimator and Stuart Gordon. Cool. What's been invented in the Massachusetts area. Fluffer nutter. Great.
4: <laughs> <laughs> you're like the, uh, what's that guy who interviews all the rappers that has the hat. You know, the, oh, uh, I just saw some video with him too. The hat, he wears the silly hat. What's his name? He, he gets these crazy deep dives. You're like, you're like the, uh, the beer equivalent of him.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's his name? But, uh, uh. Yeah. Not James Lipton. How about that? There you go. <laughs> oh no, uh, Nardwall. Nardwall, that's it. Yeah. 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 He's a yeah Canadian white guy that is very unassuming that has some of the deepest rapper knowledge. That just fucks with people. <laughs> he fucks with people when he interviews <laughs> them. Yeah, he's them. like
4: the craziest interviewer ever. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, but thanks for coming on the show, Brian. Yeah, it uh, was a blast. Guys. Yeah, I'm glad you had fun uh now's your time that if you want to promote or plug anything you can promote your twitter or you know where you may be educating next or just anything your favorite sandwich shop your favorite sandwiches
4: go ahead now's your time yeah i mean yeah go out and support some uh some local uh local bars and restaurants and breweries and uh you know go buy some go buy some beer from this this upcoming weekend and go to uh i know i'm gonna i've been looking forward all week to uh getting some takeout from, I live out in Beaver County. So I'm going to go to uh shoe brew or general shoes probably, mm. uh, and get some, some, uh, some egg rolls and some uh, Dan Dan noodles. And then I'm probably going to get some, uh, get a burger at, uh, at burgers there in Zilly as well. And uh, see if they have any more of their Italian pills left. Cause it was really killer. So um, yeah, that's right. If you, yeah, uh, I'm on social media, Twitter and Instagram and stuff at uh, Brian is Bearing. So say hi, if you feel inclined. But uh, thanks, guys. It was fun.
2: Yeah, right on. Uh, yeah, you mentioned you're like in Beaver County. I guess you're more closer up north. But have you been to Andy's barbecue stand in Manaca? No,
4: I have not. But I'm not far from Manaka. I'm maybe only 15 minutes from Manaca.
2: Okay. Yeah, check, check out their menu from time to time. But usually on Saturdays, they do smoked cheesesteak. And it's not whiz, but it's a it's their own pimento cheese that they make i'm sold yeah,
4: yeah I'm check sold it out at cheese and then i'll post it on that groups and just get shredded <laughs> yeah you can get shredded on that <laughs>
2: yeah. and also they'll have smoked cheesecake and that is really fucking good, that
4: yeah. good. yeah
2: yeah <laughs> But check all those out. And if you want to check us out on social media, all you have to do is search at HopNationUSA and they'll get you Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you want to listen to brand new episodes of the HopNationUSA podcast every Friday, as you should, then search HopNationUSA on your favorite podcatcher. Like Stitcher, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Spotify. We're on everything that starts with pod and ends with cast. So check us out. And if you're on any of those platforms, leave a five-star review because...
3: We are a sixth
2: dry-ass sandwich show, but they only let us use five. And that's a bigger crime than putting green peppers on your cheesesteak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks again for coming on the show, Brian. Uh, Yes, this is is a blast glad you could come on yeah super fun thank you guys yeah next time maybe we won't dick tease the audience and we'll actually talk about beer (laughs) (laughs) buy some
3: merch tpublic.com
2: oh yeah the glasses should be coming in too
3: yeah sometime this month uh tpublic.com search word hop nation usa no spaces that'll
2: get you where you need to go yeah get the new drink logo shirt they're deece everybody likes them but all right we'll see you next week with something new bye-bye